Hag Sameach. To me, this holiday is the highest holy day because it's the day we celebrate what Yeshua did for us, the final atonement holiday. Yom Kippur. Let's open in prayer. Lord, we thank you for your mercy, for your great Yeshua, your great salvation. We thank you that it's a free gift to all those that come to you. We want to bow down before you. We want to worship you. We want to lift you up. Lord, we thank you for the holy days. You commanded your people to keep them forever. Hallelujah. Help us to truly forget about ourselves and concentrate on you. We thank you for the privilege and the honor to come into your presence. We worship you, Lord. We desire to do what you said, to worship you in spirit and in truth. Blessed are you, Lord our, our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us by your commandments and commanded us to be light to the nations. Baruch Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam Shehecheyanu Vekiyamanu Vahigiyanu Lazman hazeh Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who has granted us life and sustained us and brought us to this season. Amen. We are gathered together, the people of the living God, to observe the Day of Atonement. We are not here to expiate our sins through self-denial and pleas towards heaven. We recognize that according to his promise, the God of our fathers has already provided atonement through our righteous Messiah. We pause today to remember who our God is, even the Holy One of Israel. Blessed be his name. We pause to remember as well those of our people Israel who have not yet to acknowledge Yeshua, the Messiah. We are gathered not only to remember, but also to repent. This is always fitting, how much more so in the solemn season. And lastly, we are here to re for renewal in our commitment to the Lord, the God of our fathers, to our holy obligation to shine as lights in the world. 
Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who with his word brings on the evenings. With wisdom he opens the gate of heaven, and with understanding he changes the times and causes the seasons to alternate. You arrange the stars in their courses in the sky according to your will. You create day and night. You roll away light before darkness and darkness before light. You cause the day to pass and the night to come and make the distinction between day and night. Lord of hosts is your name, the living and the eternal God. May you reign over us forever and ever. We'd like to welcome everyone who's joining us for night. tonight. It's a special night, and we are so glad that you decided, that you made that choice to be here. If you would all please stand for the recitation of the Shema. It is traditional to face east. Great is the Lord, and holy is his name. Come, let us exalt his name together. Shema Yisrael. Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad, Baruch Shem Kevod, Malchuto Leholam Vayed. Hear, O Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of his glorious majesty forever and ever. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. You shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. Love your enemies. Bless those that curse you. Do good to those that hate you. And pray for those that despitefully use you and abuse you. These words that I command you today are to be upon your heart. Teach them thoroughly to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you rise up. Bind them as symbols on your arm and let them be as frontlets between your eyes and write them on the doorposts of your houses and gates. And it is most appropriate to say this part tonight. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit upon you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and to carefully keep my laws. You may be seated. The service is called Kol Nidre, which is Aramaic for all vows. And I wanted to take a few minutes and explain something about what Kol Nidre means. Kol Nidre is, a, is not a prayer, but it is actually um, a legal statement. And I wanted to read it to you. All vows that we are likely to make, all oaths and pledges that we are likely to take between, to make, excuse me, between this Yom Kippur, next Yom Kippur, we publicly renounce. Let them all be relinquished and abandoned, null and void, neither firm nor established. Let the vows, pledges, and oaths be considered neither vows nor pledges nor oaths. And um, the Kol Nidre is repeated three times to accommodate folks who come late. Um, this is not a... Uh, This is not a, uh, a judgment on anyone who is a bit tardy tonight. And after the, uh, the Kol Nidre formula is recited, the congregation and the cantors say the following, May all the people of Israel be forgiven, including all the strangers who live in their midst, for all the people are in fault. 
And then the leader says, Oh, pardon the iniquity of this people according to your abundant mercy, just as you forgave the people ever since they left Egypt. And then finally, the leader and the congregation say together, The Lord said, I pardon them according to your words. Now, you may not understand why Kol Nidre is recited. Uh, there are a couple of explanations. One is that this is a uh, formula uh, that that uh, came about because uh, Jewish people were uh, forcibly converted and forcibly baptized, and that this was the means of um, releasing people from from these kinds of vows. Uh, we're not really sure. This goes back about fifteen hundred years. More likely, this has to do simply with the fact that all of us make vows that are hasty um, for a couple of reasons. One, either the so-called uh, atheist in a foxhole. You know, something happens and uh, you're in bad shape, bullets are flying, and you make these great pronouncement, God, if you... Release if you protect me and bring me out of this, then I will do X, Y, Z. Um, the truth is, we all do that from time to time. Um, another reason, possible reason, why we come up with um, vows that are hasty is sometimes we are swept emotionally and spiritually, and we make a decision. God, I, I'm going to do this, this, and this for you because I love you. And then a uh, short time later, we realize that we completely ignored the vow. Um, the short version, folks, is that uh, Scripture, both in the Torah and also um, in the rest of, of the Bible, both the Tanakh, the Hebrew Bible, and the New, New Covenant, make it very clear that God expects us to, to take our vows seriously. And so, um, like anything Jewish, there are uh, opinions and counter-opinions, and um, rabbis decided to, uh, the consensus has been um, that Kol Nidre has become part of, of, of uh, tradition on Yom Kippur Eve. Um, and we do that, uh, we call our service Kol Nidre, not because uh, we are trying to stay within, within that uh, formula, uh, but simply because Kol Nidre and, and the service um, is a time when people realize how awesome God is and the fact that He is the righteous judge. Um, this service and Yom Kippur as, as a whole um, is a reminder of how awesomely holy God is and how incredibly unholy we are. And so Kol Nidre has um, a great deal of gravity in it um, because people realize that God's judgment comes and the truth is none of us is worthy of receiving God's blessing, and yet God gives us his blessing uh, because he, he loves us. So this is part of the, the challenge for us to repent, and traditional Judaism uh, emphasizes the need to repent, especially during this season, and the rabbis say that um, one must repent a day before you die, and since none of us know when we die, then... Consequently, we need to repent each and every single day. And this is obviously something that not just the rabbis in general, but our Messiah, the great rabbi, emphasized to us that um, when we sin against God, when we sin against people, we need to deal with it uh, in timely fashion. Um, and I realize that for most of us, Repentance uh, is something that is as um, exciting as a uh, 
as a lunch of sawdust um, for a variety of reasons, one of which is that um, none of us want to confront our sin. None of us want to look at, at our warts. Uh, all of us want to feel like we have, um, we are okay. I'm okay, you're okay, or maybe I'm okay, you're dysfunctional. Um, so it's difficult for us to embrace the reality, not only of this season, but of what Scripture says in general, that repentance is something that needs to be part of us. And as Rabbi David mentioned last Shabbat, um, as in a sermon on Ezekiel 18, we repent not so much because we are afraid of God, but because we realize that God is merciful and that His mercy trumps justice. In other words, when push comes to shove, if God has to make a decision, a choice between justice and mercy, He will always go with mercy. And this is something that um, hopefully is encouraging to us because as we realize that God is merciful, then repentance will be something that we want to embrace and, part and be co-participants. Um, because this is, repentance is the first step that needs to take place towards cleansing and then towards healing and then towards God filling us. And I know we all want the fullness, but part of the process is that we need to embrace, not just grudgingly accept repentance, you know, as if God puts a gun to us and say, you will repent, but rather if we understand who God is, understand His holiness, and understand His mercy, then we realize that repentance is something that we want to engage in. It's hard for us, you know. We um, sometimes feel entitled to our sin. You know, if you're a parent, you understand exactly what that means um, because you're, you tell your children to do something and then they are convinced that they know better than you do. And, um, and so they come up with all kinds of explanations and reasons why they should not do what you tell them to do. Well, guess what? We're very much like children and in Ezekiel chapter 18, um, the prophet, speaking on behalf of God, uh, recognizes the fact that we find all kinds of ways to justify our, our sin, to justify our sense of entitlement. Um, and here's one of the reasons for that. Um, in, in the beginning of chapter 18, the Lord states the following, what do you people mean by quoting this proverb about the land of Israel? The, Proverbs, the proverb is the fathers ate sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. And the Lord's response to that is, as surely as I live, it's a no-brainer. Of course, God says, I live. Uh, you will no longer quote this proverb in Israel. Now, Proverbs our truisms, uh, they tend to be a general rule. You, you know, we, we have all kinds of proverbs, um, uh, cliches such as a stitch in time saves nine. Well, sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, there are obviously cases where a proverb is not completely true. Uh, sometimes fathers eat sour grapes, and their own teeth are set on edge. Um, but part of the process also, as time goes on, and as a parent, you find, that, at least I find this very sobering, that when we eat sour grapes, we transmit the results to our children. And um, that's a truism, it's a reality. Uh, we know lots of examples of that. 
for instance, when you have someone who is an alcoholic, they, uh, you have fetal alcohol symptom. Um, however, part of the picture is that God wants to challenge people and say to them, say to us, um, your sin is not justified. And yes, you can come up with all kinds of reasons why you, you feel like you should be validated in your sin. But the Word of God tells us that God really isn't too thrilled about that. He rejects this uh, justification that we come up with um, because He expects you and I to take ownership for our sin. Part of the problem with this proverb of the fathers ate sour grapes and the teeth of, of their children uh, were set on edge is it has a fatalistic kind of an attitude. You know, I can't help it. My father and my mother did such and such, so therefore I have no choice but to sin because it's their fault. You know, uh, Oprah and Phil, Dr. Phil and so on, you get a lot of that. Um, this fatalism. Part of it also is a basic sense of unbelief, not willing to trust God, that despite what happens, what had happened with uh, the actions of our parents, God is able to bring about restoration and cleansing and redemption. So this notion of I am trapped because of my parents' or grandparents' generation, or what folks have referred to as a generational curse, uh, is problematic. It doesn't say much about who God is. It doesn't also say very much about who we are, um, because it, it states, it conveys the basic sense that sin is not redeemable. And I hope that you're here tonight to acknowledge the fact that all sin is redeemable by God, providing that, that a person is willing to be uh, repentant. So when the Ten Commandments tell us the following, uh, we need to understand the context. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sins of their fathers, to the third and fourth generation. There is a proviso there of those who hate me. So what that means is that regardless of what has come down the pike from mom and dad and grandma and grandpa, those patterns will continue if we continue the same kind of pattern ourselves and make those kinds of choices and are hateful towards God's and rebellious towards His purposes. But there are obviously times when we can make choices to take different, different actions and not to be involved in fatalism. There was one example that I read recently that really spoke to me very profoundly, very vividly. And because I'm a son of a Holocaust survivor, that's something that comes fairly naturally to me, uh, issues having to do with that period of history. In 1941, um, the Bulgarian government decided to ally itself with the Nazi uh, regime. And by 1943, the government, particularly uh, King Boris, signed a secret agreement with the Nazis to deport 20,000 Jews to extermination camps. And this began with soldiers rounding up thousands of Jews. Uh, March 10, 1943, uh, boxcars were loaded with 8,500 Jews and an Orthodox bishop, not an Orthodox Jew, but an Orthodox Christian bishop by the name of Metropolitan Kirill, um, 
showed up at the train station along with 300 of his church members. And he pushed through the SS soldiers there at the train station. And um, they, they knew that he was speaking with authority. They let him go. And he came to the door of the, uh, the car. And he shouted, wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. I'm sure you recognize that this is the statement that comes from the book of Ruth. It was Ruth's statement to Naomi. So he tried to press forward and open the door. Um, and the SS uh, officer stopped him. And he walked to the front of the, of the train. And he stated that he would lie down on the tracks if the train started to move. Now, this has to be contrasted with situations in different cities in Germany where Jewish people were hauled into trains and as they were yelling and screaming, um, people in their churches heard the cries and, and they sang their hymns louder instead of responding in compassion. So... As you might imagine, because um, this bishop was very influential, uh, his action uh, spread very quickly. Uh, it made a, a tremendous impact uh, in the Bulgarian parliament, and people were complaining and protesting to the king. And uh, then a month later, the king decided to bring um, and Kirill and uh, the rest of the bishops together and tried to persuade them uh, to support his anti-Jewish policy. And uh, basically his attitude was, after all, um, other, other countries have dealt the same way with their Jewish problem. And I have to tell you that his counsel was flatly rejected by these bishops. Yet, uh, the, the king and the government tried to press through with this, and... Um, the Jewish people of the capital city of Sofia received deportation orders, and the chief rabbi Daniel Zion, Daniel Zion, asked the uh, the head of the church in Sofia to shelter the, the people there, to shelter the Jewish people, and he pleaded for the cancellation of the deportation order. Um, the head of the Orthodox Church there, Metropolitan Stefan, uh, sent a number of messages to the king pleading for him to have mercy on the Jews. And among others, here are the statements that he made to King Boris. Do not persecute, he said, so that you yourself will not be persecuted. The measure you give will be measured returned to you uh, this, of course, is referring to Yeshua's statement in Matthew. He says, I know, Boris, that God in heaven is keeping watch over your actions. And yet, the expulsion of, of Jewish people began, and um, yet the Bulgarian Orthodox Church uh, stood very firmly um, against the king's desire to send the Jews to Auschwitz. The church continued to intercede with the king, and eventually the king accepted the council of the church and informed Hitler that he would not allow any of the Jews of Bulgaria to be shipped to Poland or to Germany. And here's an important fact to remember about Bulgaria. This is something you don't hear much about, uh, at the beginning of World War II, the Jewish population of Bulgaria was 48,000. At the end of it, it was 50,000, making Bulgaria the only country under Nazi rule to end the war with more Jews than at the beginning. So why was the Orthodox Church in Bulgaria friendly to Jews, whereas in 
the vast majority of the European countries, that was not the case. A major reason for that is that Metropolitan Stefan and the chief rabbi of the capital city, Rabbi Daniel Sion, were deep, deep friends. Um, by the way, by the time that World War II broke, Rabbi Daniel Tzion became a follower of Yeshua. Yeshua appeared to him in, in a vision three times. And Rabbi Tzion had absolutely no idea what to do with this vision. So he went and asked some fellow rabbis. Of course, they had absolutely no answer. Then he went to the Greek Orthodox Church and he met with uh, Metropolitan Stephen. And they apparently have had a, a friendship and discussion about all kinds of spiritual things. And uh, Bishop uh, Stephen Stephen was unusual in that he knew and understood the horrible history that Jewish people experience because of the church. By the way, that's not something that um, bishops and priests learn in seminaries, mostly. And so because of that, Bishop Stephen told uh, Rabbi Daniel Tzion to focus on Yeshua and continue living as a Torah-observant Jew. In 1948, Rabbi Daniel Tzion, along with most of the Bulgarian Jews, emigrated to Israel, and he served as their rabbi and taught many of them about who is the Messiah. Now again, all this began with a couple of Greek Orthodox bishops, Kirill and Stephan, who were confronted with the horror of what was taking place with the Nazi plans to exterminate Jewish people. And they were not willing to be passive and to be fatalistic and say, it's going to happen, I have no choice, I can't do anything about it. They knew that they had a high call to obey God and because of their faithfulness to God, they were instrumental in making an impact on the chief rabbi and on the 48,000 Jewish people of Bulgaria. Now this is an exceptional story and an um, incredibly inspiring story. It is for me. Um, but the truth is, much of the time, most of the time, when we are in difficult situations, we tend to be passive and we tend to be somewhat fatalistic. Um, I hear people talk in rather grim terms about what's happening in our country and what's happening in the world. And yes, there are all kinds of difficult circumstances and yes, there is terrorism, etc., etc. However, God's people have never, have rarely been in situations where life was a bowl of cherries. In fact, more often than not, when God's people are in comfortable situation, spiritual life is minimal. And, and instead, when God's people are in difficult circumstances, that's when we flourish, believe it or not. Why? Because we recognize that God has to sustain us and bring us through. We realize that we don't have any um, ability on our own. And so we're always confronted with situations, folks. We're always confronted with um, how are we going to act, how are we going to view our actions and our sin. We can always have the attitude that justifies our actions and justifies our sins. 
And the Word of God is very emphatic that if we are to be serious about who God is, we have to be serious about sin. Ezekiel 18 tells us, in, for every living soul belongs to me. In other words, you and I are under God's rule, whether we like it or not. As the Father and as the Son, both alike belong to me. The soul who sins is the one who shall die. So God's response to sin is very simple. One word. Repent. In other words, make a decisive 180 degree change. That, by the way, is the meaning of the Hebrew word shuv or tshuva for repentance, which simply means to turn or to return. Begins with an attitude of contrition, being convinced of the error of our sin, and then taking steps. Because otherwise, the Word of God tells us that our sins result in death either physical death, as in the case of a person who has gone over the top and has uh, engaged in, in, in sin, in rebellion. And sin is also, also results in death spiritually for all of us. Simply means separation between us and God. Prophet Isaiah tells us the following, Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear, but your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that you will not hear. Again, God's go-to position is simply begging and pleading for sinners to, to turn to him. And in Ezekiel chapter 18, we see this passion or compassion um, on God's part towards those who are sinful sinners and, and who are basically getting ready to go off a cliff. And here are a couple of statements that God makes at the latter part of this chapter. Therefore, O house of Israel, I will judge you, each one according to his ways, declares the sovereign Lord. Repent, turn away from all your offenses, then sin will not be your downfall. In other words, why be stupid? For I take no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the sovereign Lord. Repent and live. In other words, God is saying, don't go off a cliff. Repent. Engage in the process of repentance. Be participant with what God wants to do in bringing about cleansing in you. Don't do that as someone who, who is uh, forced to do that, but engage in it and receive the blessing God has for you. It's expressed this way in the Torah. This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. God gives us a basic choice. Embrace His reality. Embrace His standards of holiness Acknowledge the fact that he is committed to you, that he loves you. And out of that, from that perspective, then say, God, show me what it is that you have for me to do to repent. What are the specific actions you have for me? So later in the service... There will be a time for quiet reflection and prayer. It's called Amidah because it takes place while standing. So as we go through the different liturgical prayers and worship music, you may be inclined to 
engage in, in self-introspection, self-examination. That's normal. But go outside the box and simply say, Lord, what do I need to repent? Show me. So be prepared to acknowledge God's sovereignty over your life. Recognize the fact that you and I tend to put ourselves on the throne and then simply say, God, please forgive me and cleanse me. Let's pray. Avinu Malkeinu, our Father and our King, we're so grateful that you're compassionate and merciful, that you know us and understand us fully. And thank you, Lord, that you offer the opportunity for us to turn and repent and receive forgiveness receive cleansing, receive healing. Thank you, Lord God, for the atonement that you provide for us, the complete atonement. We pray, Lord God, for each of us that that atonement will be worked more deeply, more fully into our life, that we will become more conformed, Father, to the image of your Son. We ask this in Yeshua's name. Amen like to continue with the service with the with the Kaddish and please join in if you would please rise um the Kaddish is a separate insert in your bulletin and i'm asking david if he would start with the aramaic this is the yizkor Kaddish for all of those who have died this year and remember the Kaddish is not for the dead but it's enough affirmation of god's kingdom in spite of what's happened in our lives. Yitkadahal v'yitkadash shmeir rabah b'yalmadi v'chachirutev yamlich malchutei b'chayechon uv'yomechon uv'chayedechal beit Yisrael b'hagala b'hagala uv'izman kahariv v'imeru amen Dahamihiran Bialma, Vimeru, Amen. Yehesh Lama Rabamin Shamaya, Vechaim Aleinu, Vial Kol Yisrael, Vimeru, Amen. O Jose Shalom Bimromahav, Hu Yase Shalom Aleinu, Vial Kol Yisrael, Vimeru, Amen. Together in the English. Glorified and sanctified be God's great name throughout the world which he has created according to his will. May he establish his kingdom in your lifetime and during your days and within the life of the entire house of Israel speedily and soon and say amen. May his great name be blessed forever and to all eternity blessed and praised glorified and exalted extolled and honored. Adored and lauded be the name of the Holy One. Blessed be He. Beyond all the blessings and hymns, praises and consolations that are ever spoken in the world, and say, Amen. May there be abundant peace from heaven and life for us and for all Israel, and say, Amen. He who creates peace in His celestial heights, may He create peace for us and for all Israel, and say, Amen. You may be seated. And we now have the section Vidui. I'll be reading from Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. 
According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, only you, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from your blood from blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Do good to Zion in your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in right sacrifices and burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. If you would turn in your bulletin to page two, we're going to read the responsive reading. Our God and God of our fathers, may our prayer reach you. Do not ignore our plea. For we are not insolent to say to you, we are just and have not sinned. Indeed, we have sinned. We have acted treasonably, aggressively, slanderously. We have acted brazenly, viciously, and fraudulently. We have acted willfully, scornfully, and obstinately. We have acted perniciously, disdainfully, and erratically. Our Messiah said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. But we have been haughty in spirit, inflated with pride in our own self-sufficiency. We have forgotten how needy we are. Our Messiah said, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. But we have insulated ourselves from those around us, from their pain, their needs, their loneliness, their suffering. Our Messiah said, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. But we have valued toughness over gentleness. We have too often chosen to look out for ourselves. Like the prodigal son, we want what we want, and we want it now. Our Messiah said, Blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. But we have hungered after the pleasures, the prestige, the possessions of this world. Like Esau, we have too often despised our birthright in favor of more immediate gratification. Our Messiah said, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. But we have too often presided as harsh judges over the lives of others. We have been quick to fix blame. We have excused ourselves from any obligation to care or help. Turning away from your good precepts and laws has not profited us. You are just in all that has come upon us. You have dealt truthfully, but we have acted wickedly. You know the mysteries of the universe and the dark secrets of every living soul. You search all the inmost chambers of man's conscience. Nothing escapes you. Nothing is hidden from your sight. Now, may it be your will, Lord our God and God of our fathers, to forgive all our sins and to pardon all our iniquities. For the sin we committed against you callously, for the sin we committed in your sight unintentionally, for the sin we committed against you by idle talk, for the sin we committed in your sight by lustful behavior, for the sin we committed in your sight knowingly and deceptively, for the sin we committed against you by offensive speech, 
For the sin we committed in your sight by oppressing a fellow man. For the sin we committed against you by evil thoughts. Toda, gratitude for our atonement. Uh, the scripture reading is from Psalm 130. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption. And he will redeem Israel from all iniquities. The next reading will be from Isaiah 53, verses 4 through 9. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was a chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter. And like a sheep that before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and as for his generation who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people." And they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam asher natan lanu et derech haishua beyeshua meshicheinu. Please join in. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who has granted us the way of salvation through Yeshua, our Messiah. How easy it is to become complacent, to become indifferent to the Lord's demands of holiness in our lives. Let us allow the Lord's probing light to shine. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Teach me and know my anxious thoughts. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Repentance must become part of our lifestyle so that we can fulfill our Messiah's instructions. <laughs> 